Hey, chaps, happy Tuesday. What a time to be alive. Alrighty. So today, chatting a bit about masculinity, femininity, uh, the poles that the uh, energy of our of our life where each each pole has its own mission its own needs society is the same way there's there's been a pendulum swing to this highly feminized society um and i i believe that feminine uh kind of zenith is being achieved right now this chaos control uh equality fairness and and this this pendulum is you know, they're screeching like mad to hold the pendulum up here, but we're going back towards patriarchy, towards masculinity, uh, towards order, towards opportunity, towards uh, strength, honor, hierarchy. And so it's a, a great thing to look at in our personal lives. You know, I think for me, the, the biggest desire for me is is to see a, a parallel society of you know we, we all we all hope that there'd be like this political um reactionism reactionaryism where you know all of a sudden the the republican party would get super based um and would start doing super based things and you know oh you know boom all of a sudden we have a super based leader who's just making everything back to the way it should be you know that that is such a huge psyop to get us away from actual our own lives of being super based in our own lives you know if if donald is out there being super based for me i don't have to be super based and if my pastor is out there being super christian for me i don't have to be super christian and you know you, you can apply that to to multiple layers of your life but we we put on other men uh, the expectations that we should actually be doing for ourselves. And, and that is a very feminine mindset. Uh, the feminine has to, you know, the Bible says about women that they are the weaker vessel. Uh, physically, there is a desire uh, for the man's strength to harness and direct the man's strength. You know, and it's, it's a, it's brilliant when you see how that is operated. So when a woman complains, she's complaining to someone who has power to do the thing she wants sorted out. Um, and so likewise with men, when we become men who complain, you know, that's why I, I laugh at all these guys on Twitter who are constantly retweeting uh, New York times and all these journalists. And it's like, Oh, look how hypocritical these journalists are. And you know, that, they're pointing out hypocrisies of people who have power over them. You know, pointing out a hypocrisy and complaining are feminine strategies to get men to do something. Very feminine. So I'm just really encouraged from this thing of if we're ever going to have a parallel society, a neo-Amish peculiar people who are not controlled. DVG, how's it, brother? expecting your pastors or political figures to be masculine for you. It's almost like political porn because rather than go out and make love to beautiful women and watch other men do it. Very true. You know, what I like about the Amish is they don't, they're not captive to whatever's going on on CNN. They're not captive to whatever government mandate comes out. They're not captive uh, to whatever zeitgeist pop culture 
stuff is controlling us, right? They're captive to their own vision. They're, they're, they're kings. They've got king energy. It's like we have big families. We own lots of land. Uh, and we have our own morality and legal system and monetary beliefs and, mor and morals. And we have a huge in-group preference and peculiarity. And we're, we don't care what goes on in the outside world. We don't care what the English do. We're doing our thing. It's beautiful. Now, short of not wanting to shave my lip and uh, throw away my beautiful technological uh, products, uh, you know, not, we're not going to become Amish. But they're a great model for us, right? Christians should be a peculiar people. Rob, how's a brother? It's been said that the last red pill is learning that help isn't coming. So good, man. Men must learn to stop outsourcing our God-ordained patriarchal duties to others. That's it. Help isn't coming. We are the help. You know, one of the things I I, I don't laugh at, at people, you know, it's it's a, I was there. But often men will say to me, you know, I'll be, I'll be out and about the town where I live and you'll meet these guys and you'll get chatting and blah, 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 all this stuff. And, you know, inevitably you'll see that they're a strong man, you know, a masculine man, right? They're, you can see, okay, this guy's not a liberal. So I'll start throwing some stuff out there to see if he's happy to talk about things, you know. But sooner or later, a lot of these guys will say, yeah, man, I'm just praying for Jesus to come back. Or, yeah, man, can't wait for the rapture. And it's this thing of we're helpless, we're powerless. Jesus, if I nag enough, if I pray enough, if I complain enough, Jesus will come back and save me. And it's like, sorry, brother, Jesus already saved you. He already saved you. And then when he is ascending, he says to those guys who are there, he's like, because they're like, Jesus, don't leave us. And he's like, chaps, it's better that I leave. The Holy Spirit will come and comfort you. I now give you a mandate. You go and be me on this earth. As I am, so are you on earth. So us crying for a savior to come and save us, it's almost blasphemous. It's saying like, Jesus, no, we, you, we aren't good enough to do what you said for us to do. You need to come back. John Terry, how's brother? There seems to be this belief in conservative circles that there is a deity looking over us and is coming to save us when things get bad. Yup, lifeboat, bro. DVG, the rapture has become the out rather than dealing with their daily problems. Yep, John Terry, like has been said, no one is coming. No police, no military, nothing. And that's incredibly freeing. You know, I think, I think it's incredibly freeing. When you look at the life of Abraham, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't the majority. You know, I think that's one of our hindrances in America is that Christians are the majority culture, the majority populace. And so there's this extreme lackadaisical uh, thing of like, oh, well, someone else will eventually get it right. You know, there's a they that we're, we're afraid of a they and we're hoping for a they. You know, and, and we ourselves just, ah, I'm, I'm not going to get involved and, and just retreat. You know, and, and it's incredibly uh, comforting for me that when the Donald lost, it's like, great, the bubble has popped. You know, no one's coming to save you. Everything is against us. Uh, it's time to go neo-Amish. And this is my great, uh, my great hope is that it's little bands of strong men creating alliances with other bands of strong men. And before you know it, it's like Elijah. Elijah, I hope it's Elijah. Let's get my Bible memory right here. But he does this amazing thing, right? He becomes this fearless man who confronts uh, the priests of Baal. He confronts the, the king and, and Jezebel. He confronts uh, the, the issues of his day. And God shows up in a huge, powerful way. And then 
he runs away to a cave out in the wilderness. And he's saying to God, he's like, God, I'm the only one. I'm the only one who's standing up. And it feels like that for us, right? It feels for a lot of us guys, like, am I the only one who thinks like this? Am I the only one who believes this? And am I the only one who's trying to live this? And it can get super demoralizing. And so I just want to encourage you chaps. We're, we're going to go through a few things here on, on, on belief system, on mindset. But we can get to this place of like, God, it's only me. And they're trying to kill me too. And God's like, Elijah, I've got 7,000 other men who have not bowed the knee nor kissed the ring of Baal. Go back to where you came from and go do what I've made you to do. And so what I'm really encouraged about chaps in this clown world is, is the example of the Amish. They're crushing. To a certain extent, our, our Mormon brothers, you know, there's there's obviously both sides. You know, the Amish and the Mormon, a lot of people have tried to discredit them. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of like, oh, but Scott, you don't know how broken the Amish are in secret. Or you don't know how broken the Mormons are in secret. And it's like, yeah, sure. You know, just as broken as the rest of us. But culturally, they're, they're, they're ascendant amidst chaos. You know, you could say the same thing about the Muslims. They're culturally ascendant. They have men who are intolerant. They have men who are uh, unafraid. You know, it's almost as if they believe uh, what they've been taught and are willing to put their lives behind it. God, may that be us. So, uh, yeah, man, I appreciate you uh, jumping in the chat. It's really great just to uh, see I'm not, uh, I'm not alone out here, man. All right, Abraham beat five pagan kings with 300 servants to save Lot because he loved Lot, even though Lot didn't deserve it. Lot was a deadbeat little bugger. The remnant. How do you think the men can build these networks? How do we begin to congregate? Do we move, create regional hubs? I was chatting with a, a, a South African mate of mine. I was just asking him where, where he's at. And he had a great metaphor for it. He, what he's thinking of right now is where is the, where is the fight winnable? You know, so for us Anglo, Anglo bros, South Africa is lost. The Afrikaners have a chance. The Afrikaners have an in-group preference. They have their own peculiar tribe. You know, they, they, they're not as, as significantly well-knit as the Amish, but they have their own language. They have their own uh, mythology. Uh, the Afrikaners have a chance to win in South Africa, to win out a niche of sovereignty, uh, a, a place where they can have cultural peace and prosperity and, and have their children grow up in peace and, and carry on their, their culture. But for us, South African Anglos, it's a, we're so liberalized. We're so subverted and globalized uh, that for, for us, it's, it's where is the battle winnable? You know, so here in America, there's, there's places where it's like, okay, because that's it. A lot of guys who, who immigrate away from South Africa, it's like, oh, you're giving up the fight or you, you just, you know, you're just taking the easy way out. And it's like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go get in the trench where it's winnable. Um, and I'm still going to, I support all things in South Africa that, that lead to nationhood for every tribe and tongue. But as far as, as, as us Anglo boys in the rest of the Anglosphere, where are the battles winnable? And in America, there's a few regions left that are winnable. So when it comes here to, you know, how do we begin to congregate? Do we move? Uh, another, um, I was having a, a chat with another uh, friend on the weekend. There are regions that are winnable. 
there's localities that are winnable uh, and there's villages and towns that are winnable. You just have to figure out, you know, where, where am I willing to draw a line and gather a few mates? You know, cause I, I think about it. I live in a, a little hamlet that's, you know, probably what, I don't know, 50 or a hundred houses, uh, 10 minutes outside of a town of 2000 people, which is then 30 minutes away from a huge metropolis. And it's like that metropolis is gone. That metropolis is, it's so far gone. It's Sodom and Gomorrah. It's, you know, to, to go and do the whole Tim Keller thing and be like, let's go win the city. And it's like, sorry, chaps. But, but where I am in this little, this little Hamlet village area, it's like, wow, it's a beautiful place. Like I could see this place being a wonderful place to raise my family and meet a few strong families and and let's create some neo Amish vibes. And and I think it's the same for a lot of you guys. It's like there'll be metros around you that are very dangerous. You don't want to be caught in them. You want to limit your your time in them. But around those metros, there'll be villages, towns, hamlets that are worthy of investing into if you can find three other strong men, 10 other strong men. You know, three strong men can influence a hamlet. 12 strong men could influence the village. You know, it's it's this thing of critical mass of, of, a, of a minority. You know, the Bolsheviks and the Mensheviks, the Bolsheviks were the minority that that took over the reins of the majority and kicked out all the, the, the guys who weren't going along and implemented some radical things just because they were willing, they were fearless. They were willing to do some extreme things. And now, you know, for the, for the feds watching us, extreme things for us is having 10 children. Uh, extreme things for us is not being in debt. Uh, extreme things for us is not obeying the culture uh, that is pushed on us. Alrighty. So do we move? If you do not think your area is winnable, move. If you think your area is winnable, reach out, start meeting people, and maybe invite some people uh, that we meet online. Like, hey, I would, I would, I would wager that half the guys we talk to online and chat with and 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 who are in our vibe are asking the question, God, is this where you want me? God, is there is there somewhere else I should move to to play the long game? And your invitation may be the, the domino that starts quite a good thing. The Amish woman's a very advanced social technology. It's a great way to put it. Anglos are treated extremely well in Latin America. There are no Anglos in Latin America. Several expert Anglo communities, Mexico, Costa Rica, Uruguay, etc. Mainly Germans. Critical mass is key. Austin wasn't cool until Michael Dell decided to make his hub there. Elon Musk now in South Texas. DVG willing to move. Rob, in your neo-Amish concept, does that include being a peace church? Here's the deal with, with pacifism. So I believe in righteous war. I also believe in not engaging in asymmetric warfare. So I also believe in, in not perpetuating blood feuds. You know, so for instance, Rhodesia is a great example, the UDI. So Rhodesia, a peculiar, very uh, sovereign group of people, right? A bunch of Anglo bros who are a colony of, of England. They declare unilateral declaration of independence in 1965. The whole world world is against them. Communists start coming in across the border uh, to to do acts of terrorism. Yeah, let's fight. 
you know, I believe I believe the the Rhodesians didn't fight hard enough, uh, and, and I mean that with no disrespect. Uh, I mean they were phenomenal, but I mean to give up, you know, and that's where this kind of nostalgic black pill comes in for me of this, um, you know, looking back on Rhodesia, looking back on on old school America. There are no safe places for white boys to go anymore. You know, and Rhodesia was a place. You know, there was a place where there was peace and prosperity for for your cultural people, for your people. Uh, and once that was given up, you know, America, Australia, Canada, uh, New Zealand, they kind of became the last refuge uh, of the Anglosphere that all these Rhodesians and South Africans kind of were jumping ship to get out to. But now you look at Australia and it's just like crazy Asian immigration. Um, you look at Canada, crazy Asian immigration. Uh, and obviously America, we all know what's happening here. And so that's no, uh, you know, because I, I think there's this huge thing again of, of can we fight our way out of this? And it's like, no, like it's totally asymmetrical. That's where you've got to start Amish. You've got to start Amish, peaceful, economic, moral. Morality and economy are the weapons of your warfare. And once you get a critical mass, of of political and economic power over a local area now we start to think okay could the amish start pushing for udi could the the mormons start pushing for udi could the idaho montana redoubt whatever uh you know could the the new hampshire project guys start pushing for udi the the act of udi is incredibly peaceful the the act of aggression comes from from the, the globalists who won't let them go. So Rhodesia, incredibly peaceful in declaring a UDI. It was the act of aggression against them that precipitates uh, military conflict. And it's like righteous war, righteous war. So, so that, that would be my, my, my take, is that the, the priority has to be neo-Amish lifestyle, neo-Amish community making setting the groundwork for local geographic dominion, Econ economy, morality. Uh, you know, the Muslims are great at this. The Muslims are phenomenal at this. They come into an area, colonize it, you know, colonists come in, uh, and then just critical mass. They take over the economy, uh, and then they enforce their morality. And it's like they don't need to go and have a guy as president. They do. Like you look at England, they've, they've got the mayor of London now. They've got all these, you know, like – they're very good at pushing their, their candidates higher up the, the federal scale. But they don't, they're such a peculiar people who have high in group preference. And it's like, we don't need to fight wars. We don't need to carry rifles. We've already won. We've already colonized you. Neo-Amish colony thinking uh, is great. All right. So let me, uh, let me get to my colonies. Anarcho-futurism. Love it, brothers. All right. Let me get to what I was actually gonna say this is a nice it was a nice pre-ramble preamble ramble all right masculine versus feminine mindset so a lot of this comes down to us having the right software to even begin this trek men who grew up with absent or weak fathers and controlling or abusive mothers tend to operate from a feminized mindset and that explains our popular culture right we have been we have been so separated from our fathers and our fathers were so weakened that the mother became ascendant uh, in our in our growing in our growing identity and, and psychology, right? And mothers control uh, a lot of times through manipulation. 
um, and being upset. You've got to, oh, don't, don't upset the matriarch. Don't upset the, the, the crazy woman. Popular culture celebrates the feminized mindset and fears the masculine mindset, and rightly so. And that's what we're trying to, uh, that's what we're trying to raise up in our churches again. That's what we're trying to raise up in our neighbors. That's what we're trying to raise up in our local economy is this encouragement of the masculine mindset wherever we see it. God is pleased by his men operating from a masculine mindset. Every day we are faced with choices of which mindset to operate from. And, you know, that's me. That's that's my uh, childhood raising up, you know, of, of very much in the feminine mindset. That, uh, And then we go to a liberal school. We have liberal media. Our demonstration and our discipleship is all feminine. You know, we go to churches where we are discipled by men who are afraid of the woman. Uh, they're afraid. You know, uh, uh, the Bible speaks a lot about the fear of the Lord. A lot of Christians have fear of the wife or fear of the mom. The following juxtapositions help us to identify when we are operating from a feminized mindset and course correct back to masculine mindset. So chaps, this is not to beat ourselves down. You know, we're going to, we're going to catch ourselves. Like, oh, and it's like, okay, thank you, Lord, for showing me. I'm course correcting back into a masculine mindset. So the feminine mindset obeys popular culture's approval for their life. Pop cultural approval is huge. Even, even for me, even for you guys, you know, I'm sure there are moments in your life where you're like, if I do something, if anyone else finds out about this, you know, that approval, we're addicted to approval in a lot of ways. Um, masculine mindset obeys Jesus's purpose for his life. So what do I have faith for? What are the things that, that God has put in my heart to do? It's not going to be popular. You know, it'll, it'll be popular amongst guys who are, who see what you're trying to do and who are themselves masculine and be like, yes, I like that. I'll support it. I want to be a part of this. But for the vast majority of culture, if you begin to look like Jesus, they'll crucify you. It's because you're showing up uh, their own fear of, of approval and fear of, of women. All right. Feminine mindset is trapped by his circumstances. The masculine mindset is prepared by his circumstances. This is a huge one, chaps. Joseph in jail and David in the desert, right? So a lot of guys, we've been memed into this thing of your circumstances trap you. You're a victim of your circumstances, right? It's like, oh, I'd, uh, you know, I was born to an alcoholic uh, parents or I was born, you know, in the wrong place or, you know, we don't have a lot of money or this thing happened to me or these people did this to me. And it's like all these circumstances or like my brother sold me into slavery or uh, the king, I've been anointed king, but now the king's trying to kill me and pushing me around the desert for 10 years. Like that, a lot of guys would break down and be like, all right, I give up. I surrender. They're not willing to hold the tension of faith, of vision through the circumstances. You know, I, I, I look at it like a seed, right? A seed has got to push through the darkness and the dirt. However, if it, if it gives up, if it gives up, it never, it never actually becomes. And I feel like that's a lot of us who give up to the circumstances. You know, a lot of times we feel like frauds. You know, like I'm going to be a huge ass oak tree with lineage, you know, four or five generations from now of, of 300 children. And, you know, that, that, that seems like a lot. That seems like, oh, Scott, you're just a fraud. And it's like, yeah, if I stop here, if I stop under my circumstances, then yeah, you know, I, I died a fraud. But if you keep pushing and, and it's, it's not in my own self-righteousness or self-works, it's, it's faith in God. Like, God, I can't. I can't have children if you don't bless me with children. I can't become super mega wealthy if you don't bless me with super mega ideas and ability to steward wealth. I can't, 
you know, become a, a man of great honor and all this stuff. And it's like, I rely heavily on the Lord and I'm not going to stop pushing. So you are prepared by your circumstances. Think Joseph, think David. Feminized mindset thinks that failure and success are permanent. Masculine mindset thinks that failure and success are seasonal. When you read the biographies of successful men and take courage from their testimonies of comebacks from various failures, there's always another springtime coming. A righteous man keeps planting seeds. You know, I read uh, Donald's Art of the Deal. Phenomenal book, not because I want to emulate Donald's life, but phenomenal book to see king energy in action. Like the dude just setback after setback, enemy after enemy, just crazy circumstances. And the dude just kept rolling, like kept trucking. And it's like, okay, like no setback is permanent if you keep getting up. It's when you finally, again, it's when you surrender to your circumstances that it becomes final. So I highly suggest that as well as biography reading. It absolutely encourages just, oh my gosh, like other dudes went through what I'm going through. Other guys, you know, they didn't just become a rising star from the moment they were born. Like there's this, there's this track that we've got to walk. Feminine mindset wants equality and fairness, which is our society today, right? Equality and fairness. Masculine mindset wants opportunity and reward. Nobody owes me anything. God sees me in secret and rewards me openly. That's from Matthew 6, 6. When you realize that no one owes you anything, it's, it takes this chip off your shoulder. You know, we're, we're just, we're just uh, it's a privilege to have the grace of God that, wow, like I'm God's son. God sees me in secret and he is my rewarder who rewards me openly. Like, doesn't matter who curses me. Doesn't matter who withholds from me. It doesn't matter who gatekeeps me. It's like, if you believe that God sees you in secret, it just, poof, this amazing piece of like, all right, Lord, you see me in secret. You see how these people treat me. You see what I'm trying to do. Like, I don't need to have chips on my shoulders towards people. Uh, I just I just know that you are uh, going to lead me into reward, right? Opportunity and reward. God is not fair. You know, God is not a fair God. He's a just God. So there's justice in laws, but he's not fair. He doesn't treat everyone the same. He's not, oh, God loves everybody the same. It's like, no, Jesus grew in in stature and favor with men and God. You can grow in favor with God. So God loves everyone, but he favors certain people more than others. And that's okay. It's okay to do that. It's okay to have in group preference. It's okay to favor people. I think the, the, the Bible just talks in James of, of not doing it idiotically for perverse gain. So it talks about a pastor who sees a rich man come into his church and says, oh, please come and sit here. And the beggar sit at my feet down there. I think he's what James is saying is, oh, if I treat the rich man nicely, he's going to give me stuff. You've, you've, you've put the rich man in the place of God. Right. Feminine mindset imagines and dwells on his past failures. Masculine mindset imagines and dwells on his future successes. So this is a huge one for us of vision. A lot of guys are caught in their past, either through regrets or past glories that they, that they, don't think they'll ever move on from or, or recreate or surpass. Masculine mindset imagines and dwells on his future successes. You know, David being chased around the desert, he had already killed Goliath. He had already had ladies singing about him. Oh, David's killed 10,000. He'd already been anointed with oil in front of all of his brothers. Like 
how many great things. And it's like, he kept, I'm sure he kept his mindset of like, I'm going to be king. And when I'm king, I've got all of these guys that I've, I've been watching. Like, okay, I've got all my lieutenants in place. Like I'm thinking about the kingdom. I'm thinking about the palace. I'm thinking about my reign. And that's why when Saul comes into the cave and if he was, if David was thinking about past failures, it's like, this is the guy who hurt me. I'm going to stab him. And it's like, no, it's like, he's thinking about the future and he's going, if I go and stab this guy, I'm setting a precedent for when I'm in the palace, someone's going to say, yeah, David stabbed Saul. It's okay to stab David. The dude's thinking about his future. He's thinking about success. I'm telling you right now. Feminine mindset focuses on and blames the uncontrollables. Masculine mindset focuses on and responds to the controllables. So one of the biggest things, you know, when I coach rugby, one of the, the issues is refereeing incompetence. You know, referees are, are often incompetent and they'll blow things that, that you'll be like, oh, that's crap. You, you know, where's your glasses? But we can't, we can't roll and blame the uncontrollables. The referee is an uncontrollable. The opposition team is an uncontrollable. So the moment we start focusing on them and putting all our energy and our expectation and our anger, it's the same with the news, right? We put all of our anger, we put all of our expectation. It's the same with politicians. It's the same with church leaders. We put all of our, our angst and our, our expectation and, and we try and control that which cannot be controlled. Instead, we focus on and respond to the controllables, our own game plan, our own skills, our own ability. And that's the Amish, right? It's like, chaps, don't focus, don't focus, how would a, an Amish, potatoes, don't focus on the English, focus on the game plan. Like they focus on their own plan. They focus on their own land. They focus on their own community. They focus on their own economy because they couldn't care less about the uncontrollable English. They focus on keeping them out, keep the, keep the uncontrollables out, but focus on what we have control over. Feminine mindset embodies despair and cowardice. The masculine mindset embodies hope and bravery. So this is a huge thing. 90% of people are defeated and afraid. And then they put that out there. They put it on the timeline. Oh, I can't believe they're doing this. We're all going to get gulagged. Can't believe they're doing this. We're all going to get injected and force blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, you, you're a despair merchant. You're a, you're a, a cowardice merchant. You know, and, and in the armies, you know, if, if you're all holding rank and one guy's holding rank next to you and be like, yes, look how big they are. Yes, look how many there are. Yeah, it's like, freak, like stab him, kill him because he's going to start making the rest of your guys scared, right? And, and that's the, the real trick. You know, you look at Patton, the dude was just aggressive. It's like, it doesn't matter if we're outnumbered, we go hard. It doesn't matter if, if we die, we die guns blazing. You know, it's, it's Jonathan and his armor bearer. It's like, let's see what the Lord does, but we're not going to quake. We're not going to uh, drink back and we're not going to declare weakness. We're not going to declare despair and hopelessness and stuff. It's like, let's see what the Lord does. What would I do if I was fearless? Come, let us go over to the outpost of our enemy. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. What a great declaration. Perhaps the Lord will act on my behalf. Fear not, for I am with you. I am your shield, your very great reward. There's this incredible strength that comes from speaking what God speaks, right? God doesn't speak despair and, and cowardice and all this stuff. And, you know, I think that's 
it comes to with, with church, with pastors, if they're ever, if they're ever speaking in the negative and framing in the negative, you know, they think they're doing a good job of like, guys, we've just got to overcome anxiety and fear and despair. But, but that's their frame, despair, 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 clown world, clown world, clown world. It's like, stop talking about clown world. Start talking about glory. Start talking about, this is what we're building. Family, economy, morality, strength. Frame it, frame it, frame it. Because that's all the media does to us is just frame incredible amounts of demoralization. Just constant demoralization, demoralization. Half of it's not true. You know, they frame it with great uh, allegedly and uh, secret source, and what, but it's just demoralization. Cut all the crap out and be a man of moralization. Give strength to others by your words. Alrighty. Feminine mindset is defined by what he is fighting against. Masculine mindset is defined by what he is building towards. So again, a, 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 you know, a great question. Am I against militarism? It's like, no, we need to fight to protect what we've built. But we don't go and when, when you're a constant warrior fighting against stuff, you're going to carry on needing enemies to fight because that's your identity. And you're going to carry on attracting enemies to fight. But if you're a builder, it's like you're going to attract builders. You're going to attract what you're trying to build. You know, and so that is where I do. I, I salute the Amish in that they're builders. But there's going to come a time where, you know, if Clown World tries to go and take them over, it's like I would hope they would all pick up M16s and, and be fighters to protect what they have built. So feminine mindset is defined by what he's fighting against. And, and I was very much that way. I was an angry prophet. I was an angry guy who I see what's wrong with the world and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yeah, but you've built nothing. You're a nobody. You've got no honor. You've got no status. Uh, you've got no fruit. What are you building? And that's, you know, again, I just to keep hopping on them because I, I believe Neo-Amish uh, is the way to go. But they've built stuff. It's easier to destroy than it is to build. Fighting attracts enemies and victims. That's the other thing with fighting. You create blood feuds with victims, right? So if we go and fight a BLM march or a, a pussy hat parade or a, a pride march, the one hour later, the news is going to be like, oh, terrorists, domestic terrorists, white supremacists, Christian nationalists, uh, picking on these poor victims and boom, the narrative shifts. That, that was January 6th, right? No weapons, no, no violence, domestic terrorism. That's the frame. As soon as you act out and fight against rather than build towards, boom, you give victimization, you give your victims power unless you finish the job completely uh, and go, go Muslim on it and, and total conquest. But that is a whole nother story. All right. A righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Multi-generational building. You know, we need to be thinking about that. We don't want to be fighting and then handing down a fight to our children's children. We want to be building and handing down an inheritance and a legacy with strong walls. Keeping things out. Feminine mindset thinks that people are actively out to get him. Masculine mindset thinks that people are usually too busy thinking about themselves. This was a huge one for me. I used to read into people's actions and be like, oh, he doesn't like me or he's acting weird towards me or, oh man, like that person doesn't like me. And it's like, people are usually too busy thinking about themselves to even think about you. If God is for me, it really doesn't matter who is against me. 
by faith, people like me. By faith, people want to help me. You know, my father-in-law is a man of very few words, the strong, silent type. And so when I first met him, it's like, okay, there's no feedback. You know, so I'm like, oh, he doesn't like me. And da, da, da. it's like, and if I had lived into that, I, that I would have manifested. Like, I would have been, oh, I need, I need to please him. I need, and it's like, it's like, dude, relax. By faith, he likes me. And then that becomes manifest that manifests in how you then speak to him, how you are around him, how you can relax in his presence. Like, yeah, like we actually we get along really well because I didn't freak out reading into things. So masculine mindset, people are usually too busy thinking about themselves. Feminine mindset finds reasons to be grieved. The masculine mindset finds reasons to be grateful. We need to clean up grievance peddlers from our newsfeed, intentionally thank people even for little things. I bless those who persecute me. Lord, I cast this burden on you. Thank you that you see me in secret and reward me openly. That's how I treat things that I have grievance towards, right? Is, Lord, I cast this grievance. You know, we have we have tons of reasons to be grieved. But you have to get to this place of like, God is my vindicator. Deo vindici. Thank you that you see me in secret and reward me openly. I give up my right to grievance and I trust in your reward, in your vengeance. Feminine mindset attracts abusers and other victims. The masculine mindset attracts coaches and teammates. Tell the truth, I choose who gets to access, I choose who gets access to my mission. So a lot of times, you know, I, I grew up with very bad boundaries and it's like, if someone wants your phone number, oh yeah, he has my phone number. If someone wants to come over, oh yeah, I'll come over. If someone needs money, oh, he has money. If someone, like the Christian nice guy, like you've got to just, everyone, you know, just whatever they need, give it to them. It's like, no. I get to choose who is around me. I get to choose who has access to my resources. Uh, and I, I do not uh, give access to people who I don't want to give access to. Other people's grievances are not my responsibility. My mission is my responsibility. I may help you if I want, but I will not be held back from my mission by entertaining other people's grievances. I don't host pity parties. They trash your mission. You become the average of the people around you. All right, feminine mindset looks for a hero to do hard things for him. This is what we were speaking of in the chat of no one's coming to help you, but masculine mindset looks for a coach to advise him through hard things. Read biographies, listen to call-in shows, look for a coach uh, and do their advice, show them results. So look for a coach, not for a hero. Feminine mindset fights his coach's feedback with an F you. The masculine mindset takes his coach's feedback with a thank you. Pruning hurts, but if you avoid the pruning, uh, there'll come a day when the only thing that can help you is to be chopped down. You know, coaching is, is very funny. When, when you give some boys advice, it's like, oh, the coach hates me. It's a father wound, right? It's a father. Oh, the coach hates me. I'm quitting this team. And it's like other kids who had good fathers and were pruned, it's like, hey, you need to change this and do this and you'll become great. And it's like, okay, I changed it. I did it. And it's like, great. I can now trust that kid even more because not only did he do the thing, but it's like he's teachable, he's coachable, wanting to improve. It's it's an amazing thing. And and I used to be offended, you know. Older guys would come alongside me and be like, hey, buddy, like try not try not butting in on people's uh, conversations. You know, if, if someone's telling you something, don't finish their sentence. And I'd be like, oh, I'm cut, I'm hurt. And it's like, no, the dude was trying to help me. And it's like it pays dividends. Feminine mindset says, I can't do it. I don't want to look stupid. The masculine mindset says, let's give it a go. I might be good at it if someone shows me how. What hard things do I want to attempt? You know, we want to do things, but it's like, man, what if I look stupid? What if I fail? Whereas the masculine mindset is, 
everyone had to learn to drive. You know, if you learn to drive stick shift, it's like you're gonna you're gonna stall, you're gonna uh, you know crush the gears, you're gonna look bad. It's like yeah, but if you want to do the thing, just keep doing the thing, and then you'll look great, and no one will remember what it took to learn. You know, so find a coach. Let's give it a go. I might be good if someone shows me how. And then lastly, feminine mindset consumes other people's passions and talents. The masculine mindset exercises their own passions and talents for their, for their, uh, here we go. Masculine mindset exercises their own passions and talents for other people. What do I absolutely love doing that I would even pay to do it? Now, how can I serve people with that? You know, so for me, you know, this, it's easier to live in the shadow talent, right? So instead of doing your talent, you go and fan and love and consume people who are doing it. And then you're like, well, you know, if I really want to be a writer, well, I don't know if I can be a writer because what, what if I'm bad at it? It's like, I'll go be an editor or I'll go be, a, you know, whatever is around the thing that you really want to do and you consume and you love. It's like, start contributing it. Start pushing it out there. You know, if you love doing things, don't worry about the pay. The, you know, the, the, the activity is the payment. The activity is the reward. Get your passions and talents contributed to other people. Uh, there was a, a Twitter feed today, a Twitter uh, thread today that I was going on, just talking about riches and honor and life. And with the honor part, you know, what is honor? Defining honor. Uh, it's the ability to keep or to set and keep boundaries, which we've talking about, spoken about. And it's the ability to contribute your gift to great men. You know, there's that proverb that says, uh, your gift makes room for you and brings you before great men. That is honor. The ability to contribute your gift to great men in service of a great mission or a great task. And I feel like that's what we all desire. We're like, God, like what is a great task? You know, and, and, and for us right now, it's the survival of our people. It's the survival of, of our civilization or our culture, if you want to call it that. That's a great task. You know, a peaceful and prosperous community, a peaceful and prosperous family, a peaceful and prosperous um, network of, of brothers. Like, you know, that's a great task, you know, and, and we all have differing gifts that the Lord has put in us, a passion and a talent. So it's like, stop bearing your talent. Let's, you know, let's start being a, a gift, being a blessing to each other. DVG, fear of women has got to be the number one issue facing men today. Yep. Big institutions, church, university, corporations have become the new matriarchs and being approved by them is now hiding behind the skirts. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's, it's, I'm going to, I'm going to tell on you, I'm going to go and get you banned. I'm going to go get you kicked out. Rob, guilt, grievance based feminine culture versus shame, honor based masculine culture. Yeah. Very good. Grievance versus honor, you know, and, and that book way of men by Jack Donovan is, is really brilliant on how uh, a hierarchy is ordered on uh, strength, mastery, and bravery are the three uh, pushers of, of status in a hierarchy of what we give honor to. Sports are an issue, John Terry. White men hide from their problems by obsessing over it. The team they support replaces the tribe. All energy is spent on this new tribe. So good. You know, it's, it's that issue of, of in-group. Only in-group preference that is acceptable to have is, woo, Patriots, baby. Everyone else stinks. It's like that's the, the in-group preference that we're allowed by these matriarchal institutions to have. Uh, spot on. Yeah, sports are now part of the matriarch. Yep, they help create the feminized culture we have. Yeah, and it's again, it's watching. It's watching other men do what you're passionate about. You know, uh, I 
for a while wavered into this thing of, you know, I was, I was trying to become a pro rugby player growing up and I almost idolized rugby. Right. And so after I realized I wasn't going to make it and kind of hung up my boots, I swore off it. I'm like, I'm never going to watch a game again. I'm never going to go like, God, there was such an idol in my life. You know, so that was the extremity. And now I've come back to it. I'm like, sports aren't inherently bad. I think it's when we consume rather than contribute that it becomes a problem, right? So for me, if I just watch rugby on, uh, you know, whatever sports channel, ESPN or whatever all day and consume and consume, you know, that is, that's, that's bad. It's a, it is a total, exactly what John was saying there. But if I go down to my local little league and start coaching whatever sport you love, or you go to a men's club and start gaining friends, like sport is a tool for communal belonging, for communal relationships, for discipleship, right? Being a coach gives you instant access straight into boys' lives. You're, you're an immediate authority figure with immediate respect into young boys' lives. And likewise, sport, uh, immediate uh, friendships. Uh, in a community, you know, it's a, it's a amazing tool that has been subverted by consumerism and matriarchal institutionalism. So good. Yep. Uh, one sports, religion, education, or even now the military go corporate, they become the next big mama. Yeah. It's, it's so true with the military as well. It's, it's crazy stuff. When large corporations were good, old boy networks, cancel culture did not exist, but now that they are matriarchal, they engage in the telltale culture. Totally, you know, and, and it's also the last male space. Sports are the last male space where boys are taught mastery, taught courage, taught strength, uh, and then they exercise it with, with great men towards a great mission. It's, it's an amazing place. And so how do you break that? Uh, well, guys, we've got to let the girls play with us. It's like, oh, the girls can have their own league over there. No, they've got to play together. They've got to be right next to you. We've got to, we've got to, We've got to have as many girls as we have guys. We've got to have girl referees. We've got to have girl coaches. We've got to, got to let the girls in. Got to have a mixed league. Um, it's to destroy uh, the all-male space bond, the all-male space atmosphere uh, that is such a powerful tool for, for the masculine mindset. Be strengthened. Take courage. God is with you. And uh, I think the, the great takeaway out of this today of, of the neo-Amish mindset Sorry, Bronze Age pervert. I'm going to write a book called Neo-Amish Mindset. Just shave my lip a little there.